Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad to have you with us today. Welcome to you. If you're new, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us worshiping the Lord today. I just want to start us off with some scripture, and we'll jump right into it. Psalm 66, verse 5 says, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. And that's our desire for you today. As, as we sit here today, 
well, you're sitting and, and you're just sort of participating along with the service. But at the same time, spiritually speaking, I want you to come and see what God has done. That's the whole point of this. We want to make much of Jesus and show you how glorious and amazing Jesus is. We want you to come and see how great and awesome God is. His amazing deeds summed up most amazingly in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our part so that we can be made one and right with God. That amazing act on God's behalf. We want you to see that, be amazed by that, and be drawn to worship God for that. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me this morning. I want to start us off by praying together. And God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your works, your glorious, amazing, awesome works. Most specifically, God, I thank you for that great work Jesus Christ of dying for our sins, taking away the separation that we have between God, making us one with God again. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I pray, God, today that as we see your sacrifice and glory in your sacrifice, I pray, God, that it will stir up in our hearts to worship and praise and run after you, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. Be glorified as we worship you today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord. Good morning, church. We sing of the victory we have in Christ. He is worthy. Weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. No. Yeah. 
gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord.
Coming off the hills of that song, talking about the, the sovereignty of God and how He's in control of all things. It's such a great song to lead us into a little bit of time of prayer together as we think about who God is and how in control of, of our lives and all things that He ultimately truly is. You know, as we, as we pray together, we uh, oftentimes use... The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 is kind of a guiding uh, direction for us in our prayers. And in Matthew 6 verse 11, Jesus is praying, giving us the model prayer. And he's, he's praying to the Father and he says, give us this day our daily bread. The idea is God and God alone is the one who provides all of our needs. And so that's what we're singing, that God is sovereign over all things. He provides all things. He's in charge. And we can come to him and say, Lord, I need you to give me what I Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So oftentimes what you have to do as a Bible teacher is not so much explain something, because some things are pretty simple and self-explanatory. The issue is not often to explain what it means, but to help us understand why we don't believe it. Does that make sense? And, and so if you look just at the words of Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply 
every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My just very simple, plain question to you today is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's step one. And if you do say, yes, I believe that, then do you live that? Right? Is that, is that how you live your life? Do you do you live your life in a way where you are trusting God? As you read Philippians 4, you kind of in the context of that, that's also where you're going to get great verses like, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This idea that if we believe God truly will provide everything that I need, I don't have to freak out. Like, I ain't got to lose my stuff. It's in the Greek. You don't see it in the English, but that's what it says. I don't have to do that. I trust God. Just trust Him. Now, does that mean, let's have some real talk just for a second. Does that mean as you trust God to provide what you need, a situation might turn out differently than you thought it was going to? Yes. Yes. Supplying your needs does not mean giving you exactly the path and direction, the things that you thought you needed. He's God, we're not, we trust Him. But as we trust Him, we say, God, you know what I really need. You know what truly is my greatest need right now, and I'm believing that you're going to give it to me. Is that your heart? I want to encourage you this morning just to bow your heads, and I want to give you a chance just to spend some time with the Lord. Uh, You know what it is you're praying for. You know what's on your heart. You know the thing that you are needing God to provide for you. So I just want to give you a little bit of time here this morning to let you spend some time with the Lord with that. Jesus said that you can go to him and say, Lord, I need you to give me today what I need. I need my daily bread. I need my sustenance. I need this to survive today. Philippians 4.19 says that we can believe that God will supply every single need of ours according to His riches and His glory in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you today, just set your heart before the Lord with that. And take a little time just confessing that to the Lord. If you haven't trusted Him in that way, confess that to Him. He knows. Confess it. Repent. Turn from that. And today, set your hearts to trust God to provide every single thing you're truly going to need. God, we just thank you. We thank you that you truly do provide every one of our needs. We thank you that there is nothing that touches our life that we cannot immediately lay down at your feet and say, God, I need you for this. I pray, God, that you would convict us and empower us to repent and turn from trusting in ourselves so much. Lord, we are... I, can, I, I confess for me, and I think it's true for everyone else here, but I'll just confess for me, I 
can oftentimes be hopelessly addicted to the thought that I can handle it. So I pray, God, that you would forgive me of that, and that I would just turn to you for all things and believe that you will supply my every need according to your riches and your glory in Christ Jesus. I pray, God, that I will not get anxious or fearful, but I'll trust in you. I pray that I would not try to handle things in my own strength and end up settling for second best, but I'm just going to trust you. I pray, God, that as things turn out differently in my life than I was expecting, I won't get upset and mad and bitter at you, but I'll believe that you know truly what's best and right and good, so I just trust you. I pray, God, all that's true in me, and I pray, God, by your grace, you'll allow that to be true in all of us as well. God, I pray that you'll do this in us. We ask you for this. We trust you for this. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, hey, if you've got a Bible, uh, find Leviticus chapter 16, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 16, and then in a little bit we're going to jump to Hebrews 9, so if you want to find that and put your finger there, you can, but we're going to start in Leviticus 16, then eventually jump to Hebrews 9, and we've got a little bit of work to do before we get to either one of them. So we're in a series we're calling The Story. The big idea behind this is that we're looking at at the big story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're seeing how the Bible is not a roadmap for your life. The Bible is a neon sign pointing to Jesus, and as you trust in Him, He changes your life. Now, again, in saying that, I am not saying that the Bible does not provide uh, teaching and instruction and correction and direction and leading in your life. It absolutely does. What I am saying is this, and this is what I want to protect us from. So often... We as Christians come to the Bible very selfishly. We come to the Bible and say, okay, what, do, what can I glean from the Bible today to help me? What nugget can I get from my life to help me live a better life today? And the problem with that is the point of the Bible is not you. The point of the Bible is God. Right? The main idea of the Bible is the fact that God is seeking to redeem a group of people to himself through the sacrifice, death, burial, resurrection of his son, Jesus. And everything is about that. And as you see it all about that and lean into that and trust by faith in that, now you're empowered to really glean and be changed by the teaching and instructions and corrections and rebukes and leadings that the Bible gives us. And so in our story, what we've seen is that God created humanity. Humanity rebelled, but God did not give the right and just consequence to humanity for their rebellion. Instead, God sought to find a way to save them, to redeem them, to deliver them from this sin. We saw that God chose a family and said that a child is going to come from that family that's going to deliver his people from their sin. That family grew and was blessed, but ultimately found themselves in slavery in Egypt. But God delivered them out of that slavery. And as he delivered them out of that slavery, he brought them out into the wilderness, leading them into the promised land that he was going to give them. And in the process of all of that, he laid out for them what's called the law. Now, for us, as Western Christians in 2022, we hate the law. Um, because uh, in our fallen state, we do not like being told what we can and cannot do. But the law was a very good thing. The law was God saying, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my people. And in order for that to happen, here are the things you're going to have to do. All right? So he lays that out. Theologically, that's known as the Mosaic Covenant. God laying through Moses 
here's the law that you need to follow in order to have a relationship with me. However, here's the problem. As we see this happening, attention develops. God lays out the law. Here's the path you have to walk if you're going to have a relationship with me that I want you to have. But here's the issue. The people can't do it. Right? They fall miserably short. So right out of the gate, we've got a real tension here. Either God is going to have to lower his standard, or people are going to have to start being perfect. And neither of those are going to happen. Right? God cannot lower his standard, and people cannot be perfect. So what are we going to do? God provides an answer for this. And the answer for this is sacrifice. As God lays out his law and his desire to be connected with his people and knowing that they can't really have that relationship with them because they're not perfect, he creates sacrifice to bridge the gap. Now, if you're a Christian, you're probably aware of the fact that Jesus died for your sins as a sacrifice. You know that, you understand that. But what I want to lay out for you today, and I think it's really important to see the big storyline of the Bible, is that didn't just come out of nowhere. Jesus didn't on a whim just decide to die on a cross as a sacrifice. This is coming out of a very long tradition and history of sacrifice. God laid out this sacrificial system. It was very detailed. Here's how you sacrifice this. Here's how you sacrifice that. Do it this way at this time. And for this person, for this kind of sin, you sacrifice this way. For this kind of sin, you sacrifice that way. He laid all of this out trying to lay out for his people a way that they could actually have a relationship with him. And, and the whole point of sacrifice, this animal sacrifice, the whole point of all of this was to be a symbol for the people of how serious and destructive and deadly their sin is. The whole point is the blood. If you read through Leviticus, there's a lot of blood. Like it's everywhere. Animals are getting sacrificed constantly. Blood's getting splattered all over people, all over the altar. It is constant. But as you go through this, there's a reason for it. I want to read for you Leviticus 17, 11. It says, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The idea is your sin is so serious. Your sin is so bad, something has to die. The only proper punishment for it is death. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the proper consequence for that sin is death. And so these people of God, these Israelites, they go in for these sacrifices and think about it. This reminder constantly. All the people that they're surrounded by, all the other nations, everyone sins, everyone breaks the law, everyone does all of that. But for the Israelites, they're told they have to now, because of their sin, bring this sacrifice Kill this animal. Blood flows. Why? To be a constant reminder that your sin has consequence. Your sin demands punishment. Either you can die 
or that animal can die. But rest assured, someone has to die. And I know, again, for our 21st century mindset, we live in a society where we, uh, we are very, we work very, very, very hard to make sin not a big deal, right? I mean, it's really not that big of a deal, is it? I, I, come on. You mean to tell me my little sin is going to send me to hell? God is going to send me to hell? I'm a good person. I do good. I don't do bad like those other people. There are people who are really, really, really bad. Not me. Surely I don't go to hell for them. Here's the thing. It's not so much that you go to hell because of the sin you committed. You go to hell because of who you committed that sin against. Right? So, so think about it like this. If, if I get mad and punch a hole in the wall, I'm a jerk. Uh, if I get mad and punch my neighbor, I'm a criminal. If I get mad and Chuck Norris roundhouse kick the Queen of England, now I just started World War III. Right? It, it's all kind of the same action. I'm, I'm striking someone or something. But who I strike greatly changes the consequence of that. That makes sense? The reason your sin sends you to hell is not because that thing you did is so bad compared to everyone else. The reason you go to hell for that sin is because you sinned against a holy God. And sinning against a holy eternal God demands an eternal punishment. It just demands it. Right? You, you sinned against him. That there's no other consequence that can be given. And so we see this, this idea that God is holy and we are sinful and, and, and he can't come down to us and we can't come up to him. So how is that gap going to be bridged? And that's where we get the idea of atonement. Right? You're going to see this language throughout the scriptures that we're going to read today. The idea of atonement. What is atonement? Atonement means to cover over a sin and be made one with God, right? Uh, uh, more simply, it means to, to make something disappear or go away. Uh, a good way to think about the definition of atonement is to break it down. Atonement at one meant. So the idea is God is here. You are here. Your sin has totally separated from you, you from God. You can't get to him. It's not possible. But then a sacrifice is made to finally now make you at one with God. Make sense? Your sin is separated from you, you from God. You cannot get to him. He cannot uh, lower his standard to come down for, to you. You are separated from him forever and for all eternity. But a sacrifice is made, an atoning sacrifice to finally now make you one with God. This idea of atonement. And this atonement is seen most specifically in Leviticus 16 in one event here called the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, it's a uh, day still celebrated by the Jews today. And every year the Israelites would come together and celebrate this Day of Atonement. And God would atone for his people's sins and enable them to dwell with him again. And so... I want us to take a look at Leviticus 16. I want us to look at this Day of Atonement, what's happening there, and then what it kind of means 
for us, all right? So Leviticus 16. Uh, so in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, there are three animals involved, all right? Three animals involved in the Day of Atonement. You got a bull and two goats, all right? These are the animals involved with Yom Kippur. And so let's start first with the bull. Pick it up in verse 11. Leviticus 16, verse 11. You have the bull. Aaron shall, that's, that's the brother of Moses, Aaron, he's serving as the high priest. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. You see that word again, atonement, for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And then jump down to verse 14. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. So the first thing that happens is this. This high priest, Aaron here, but any other high priest, takes this bull and sacrifices the bull as atonement for his own sin. Before he goes into the Holy of Holies, before he can enter in and, 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 and make the sacrifice with the people, he's got to take care of his own sin because no one's perfect, not even the high priest. No one can just walk up to God. Doesn't matter what your position is, what your status is, what people think of you in society. Doesn't matter any of that. Every single person is totally separated from God because of their sin. Same thing with the high priest Aaron. So he first had to sacrifice this bull for himself and his family so that they can finally go in now and make sacrifice for the people. This is where the two goats come in. Two goats. One goat they're going to kill and sacrifice. The other goat will stay alive. We'll chat about that in a second. But first, jump down to verse 15. Let's see that first goat. What happens here? Verses 15 and 16. Then he shall kill the goats of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus, he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all of their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. So real quick, let's, let's picture the significance of what's happening here. Aaron comes in, with sacrifices this goat, brings the blood of that goat in to this Holy of Holies. So what's happening here in this Holy of Holies? Inside this place, the Holy of Holies represented the presence of God on earth. All right? This is God dwelling with his people. You know, and, and the reason Aaron had to sacrifice to make sure he was cleansed first is because he was literally, ceremonially, stepping into the very presence of God. So he had to sacrifice for himself first. And then step into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And inside of the Holy of Holies is what's called the Ark of the Covenant. Remember uh, uh, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark? Right? That's what they're looking for, right? Uh, I, I, no evidence that Nazis actually had their faces melted. I think that's made up. But he enters into this with the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant is a copy of the law of God. All right? So here's what's happening. Think about the, what's the imagery of what's taking place here. The high priest is stepping into the presence of God and sprinkling the blood of a sacrifice on the mercy seat, which sits uh, over top of the law of God that the people of God have broken. 
Instead of God looking down and seeing the broken law and the sin and the rebellion and the offense and the trespass, he looks down and he sees the blood of the sacrifice. And he says, I will forgive my people. I will take away their sin. I will not hold them against them. Yes, they broke my law, but a sacrifice has been made over top of that law, and I will choose to see that instead of their sin. Does that make sense? You should be, if you've read the New Testament, bells should be firing off in your brain right now. All right? Then you've got the second goat. Verse 21. He comes out from there, and he goes to the second goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands, verse 21, on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. 22. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goats go free in the wilderness. So what you have here, so you the Killed a goat, sprinkled that blood over the altar. To the live goat, Aaron the high priest put his hands on the head of the goat and confessed all of the sins of the people onto that goat. That must have taken a while. Right? He's confessing all of the sins, all the trespasses, all the laws that have been broken onto that goat. They take that goat and then send it off into the wilderness. You ever heard the phrase scapegoat? Leviticus 16. What's a scapegoat? Right? You did something wrong, but you blame that guy. Right? He's the scapegoat. He didn't do it, but he's taking the fall for it. This is literally where that came from. This is the scapegoat. All of their sins are confessed onto this goat, and this goat is then sent out into the wilderness, symbolically saying that God has taken our sin and removed it from us. He doesn't remember it anymore. He doesn't hold it against us any longer. He's not holding it to account over our lives. A sacrifice has been made, and our sins have been removed away from us. Isn't that awesome? However, there are two big problems here. Two big problems with these sacrificial systems. Problem number one is that these sacrifices were constantly required because the people constantly sinned. The reason it was a yearly sacrifice is because the people kept sinning. Right? They didn't stop. They didn't quit. They kept sinning. Not only that, but not only the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, but there was a massive sacrificial system that took place all year long because the people kept sinning and kept sinning and kept sinning. So that means day after day, week after month, uh, week after week, month after month, year after year, there had to be sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Blood flowed constantly because the people just wouldn't stop sinning and then that's problem number two these animal sacrifices never actually change the person's heart no matter how many sacrifices were offered no matter how much blood was spilt no matter what they did their heart never changed the immediate consequence for that sin was taken away by god's grace they didn't actually change. They weren't different. Their heart wasn't different. They didn't want to live differently. Now, they were thankful, 
that, that, that sin, that, that the consequence for that sin was taken away from them. They, were, they praised God that he so graciously allowed a sacrifice to be made on their behalf so that they didn't have to die. But nothing changed. And so year after year after year after year after year, animals had to die and die and die and die. And the people of God kept sinning and sinning and sinning. And their hearts were completely unchanged over and over and over, day after day, month after month, year after year. Which is why he needed a better sacrifice. And his name is Jesus. And that's where we get Hebrews chapter 9. Flip over to Hebrews 9. As you find that, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a head start on it. Um, the people of God knew that these sacrifices weren't going to be the final answer. The people of God knew this doesn't fix anything. They knew my heart is still broken. They knew I keep sinning. They knew if I... If I Give this sacrifice, that's great. But if I sin again, i got to give another sacrifice. They had to constantly keep an account of their sin so they can give the proper sacrifice so that God wouldn't kill them. It was arduous. It was difficult. It was expensive. It was too much to bear. In fact, Moses himself in, I'll just read it for you, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6 Moses himself, the man who laid down the law given to him by God, said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord your God, he's looking forward to a future day. He says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the heart of your offspring, so that you will finally love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. Moses knew this sacrifice that we're doing this isn't going to finish it. This isn't going to do it. This isn't enough. But there's going to come a day where God's going to do something great. There's going to come a day where God is going to give a better sacrifice. And he's not just going to cleanse our hands so that we can finally do a ceremony. He's going to change our hearts. And now we're finally going to get to love him. And finally going to get to serve him completely. And finally get to live for him. He was looking forward to Jesus. Moses Thousands of years before Jesus ever walked earth was preaching a message about the cross. He knew there's going to have to be a better sacrifice and God is going to give it. And it is going to be glorious. And that's where we get Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 verse 12. So I want to read for us just 12, 13, and 14. Hebrews 9, 12. He, that's Jesus. Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we see here our two big problems are answered. Remember again what our two big issues were? Problem number one, 
They keep having to give sacrifices because people kept sinning. Right? So you keep having to do sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice because it was never enough. It was never complete. It was never total. It was never finished. So you had to keep doing it over and over and over and over. But Jesus solved that. Verse 12 says he entered once for all into the holy places. When Jesus died on the cross as a substitute and sacrifice for your sin, when his blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat covering the law of God that you have broken, that is not something he had to do again the next year. It was total, it was complete, it was finished, it was done. And the second problem, remember the second problem was, again, no matter how many sacrifices they give, the heart wasn't changed. They were still wicked, they were still sinful, they were still rebellious, they were still going to go after their own way, they were still going to constantly break the law of God. Nothing about them internally was different. Their hands were clean now, but their heart was still dirty. Jesus fixed that too. Verse 14. What does it say? How much more would the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? What does he do? Purify our conscience from dead works. The sacrifice of Jesus was able to purify our very hearts. It doesn't just make us ceremonially clean, but it truly makes us different from the inside out. Here's why all of that's a big deal. You ready? Here's why that matters. It matters for a couple of reasons. One, many Christians, and I would even go so far as to say probably some in this room right now. You keep trying to work to make yourself right with God. You keep striving and working. You don't feel quite accepted by God. You know Jesus died on the cross. You trust him for that. You believe by faith in Christ to become a Christian. But you still don't feel accepted. You still feel dirty. You still feel like you're having to do things to make up. So when you sin, what do you do? Okay, well, okay. today was a really, really bad day. I just blew it. So tomorrow I'm waking up extra early and having a double quiet time. What are you doing? Listen to me. What are you doing? You're going back to the old covenant. You're thinking your sacrifice now makes you right with God. Things are getting really bad, so everybody in the car, we're going to church. And I'm glad that you're here. And my hope for you today is that you come here today to hear Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. This doesn't have to be your sacrifice. You don't come here today to make penance with God. You don't come here today to get right with God. Jesus already did that. Jesus made you right. Jesus once and for all died and was the sacrifice so that you don't have to give anymore. Jesus did it, not you. Isn't it exhausting trying to make yourself right with God? Isn't that exhausting? Trying to keep track of everything and are you, are you more good than bad? That is old covenant thinking. That is mosaic law. That is animal sacrifice. Keep an account and make sure you give the right animal sacrifice. Jesus died so you wouldn't have to do that. Jesus died in your place as a sacrifice so you just get to be at 
one with God now. You don't have to do anything anymore. You're in Him. And the second thing about the heart, right? So those animal sacrifices never really made your heart right. But Jesus does. Jesus purifies you from the inside out. The sacrifice of Jesus gives you a brand new heart. You're made new. You're made holy. Listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are holy. You are holy. You are. People come up to you and you think you're holy or something. As a matter of fact, I do. What are you, a saint? Yep, it's on my business card. Bow. Yep, I am. I'm holy. Holy 100%. But I don't act holy. Aha. Correct. That might be very true. You may not always act holy. But here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. Is there still sin in your heart that you need to repent of and turn from and walk out of? Yes. But the difference, I want you to catch the difference. It's night and day here. The difference between you loving being a Christian and hating being a Christian. Some of you, you secretly hate being a Christian. You're like, I can't wait to go to heaven because I don't get it. You're trying so hard to be good. Here's the difference. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, purifying our conscience, giving us a new heart, making us pure and right from the inside out, you now, yes, are there sins that need to be walked out of and repented of and turned from in your life? Yes, my life too. But how we do that is different now. I'm not trying to walk out of sin so that I can be holy. I'm by God's grace walking out of sin because he's already made me holy and I'm just seeking by his grace to live out the reality of who I already am. Does that make a difference? Does that make sense? The difference to that is night and day. I am holy, so by God's grace empower me, Jesus, to live out that holiness. I want to walk in that and turn from sin and live in that. And, and yes, you should strive for that and go after that and pursue that. But you're pursuing it because it's a reality that's already been made true in your life. It is a fact. This is who you are. Brothers and sisters, seeing this in the storyline of the Bible, seeing the glory of sacrifice, God desires a relationship with his people, but he knows he is holy and they are not. And they are never going to keep that law. It has been broken and they are separated. So sacrifices had to be made to bring them at one again. And instead of going year after year, forever, for those sacrifices being made over and over and over and over and over, those sacrifices were actually pointing to a greater sacrifice, Jesus Christ. A greater sacrifice that was going to be made once for all. So that you don't have to keep coming after it over and over and over again. And perfect sacrifice that purifies your heart and makes you new and right and clean from the inside out. So now you're actually empowered to live out these truths that you know to be real. It's totally different now. And this is the storyline of the Bible. Sacrifice. And a sacrifice has been made so that you can be right with God. 
and that you can walk in his ways and that you can live in the holiness and the purity and the joy and the peace and the love that Jesus Christ gives you through his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection so that you can have new life and walk out and live in that new life. It changes everything. It changes everything. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'm going to ask for you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And, and, and we need to take just a minute this morning, and I want to give you some time just to sit before the Lord and pray before we stand and sing. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you came here today because you know something's wrong and you're trying to, you're trying to get right with God. You know, you know God is real and you know you're a long way from Him, but you don't want that. Or you want God. You want to walk with God. You want to be made new by God. And you're here today trying to figure out what that is and how you do that. Boy, you came on a good day. Because today I want to urge you, this morning, turn to Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Turn to him right now and receive the free gift that he bought with his own blood. The perfect gift of forgiveness and cleansing. You are broken and separated from God and you are never going to climb that ladder. You can't do it. So Jesus Christ came as that perfect atoning sacrifice that allows you to finally be made one with God again, totally forgiven, pure and clean from the inside out, made new and right and holy so that by God's grace you can grow more and more and more in that holiness. Today, see that Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again as your sacrifice. I would ask you today, Right where you are, just say, Jesus Christ, I know that you died as my sacrifice. Thank you. I trust you for that. I believe you to be my sacrifice. Forgive me of my sins. Make me one with God. Today, I really do implore you, call out to him today. Maybe you have been in this church for a long time. Maybe you have grown up in church and today you're realizing that you've just been trying to be good, but you've never really trusted Jesus to be your sacrifice. Today, do that. Trust Him. Trust Him to be your sacrifice. And for those of you today that are followers of Christ, I want to encourage you as we, as we worship together, you can come up front and pray. You can pray where you are, whatever you'd like. But I, I would encourage you to spend some time just Asking God to show you in your heart the significance of the sacrifice that Jesus offered on your behalf. A, a proper understanding of sacrifice and atonement is so helpful for those of us who grew up trying our best to be good, trying our best to work our way in to either people's good graces, your parents' good graces, God's good graces, the church's good graces. You had to kind of obey certain rules to be seen as one of the good ones. And 
And what that can do sometimes, that kind of mess you up into really not fully understanding the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that completely takes whatever separation from you and God totally away. You're at one with him, and no one or nothing, not even you, can break that. You're at one, and that is eternal. Just take a little time and just thank God and meditate for that. Uh, Second, if you're a follower of Christ, I would encourage you also to ask God, quite honestly, to break your heart about how serious sin is. Again, just because you're saved and covered under the grace of God does not mean that sin is not a problem. It's a big deal. The sin in your life right now is so serious. Jesus had to die so you wouldn't burn for it. How wrong of us to think we can just keep doing this stuff. Do not make light of the grace of God that saved you from your sin. Pray today that God shows you the seriousness of that sin so that you turn from it because God's so good He saved you from it. So when you see how serious the sin is and how glorious God's grace is to save you from it, you don't want that anymore. You want God, not the junk. So let God show you how serious the sin is, how glorious His grace is, so that you turn from it and to Him. And, and last, maybe as you're, as you're praying, Romans 12, 1 says that we are to be living sacrifices. In other words, because Jesus gave his life for you, the proper response is now you lay your life down for him. Jesus gave his life for you, so now you give your life to him. You're a living sacrifice. Again, that Hebrews 9, 14 says that we've been purified in our consciences so that we can now serve a living God. You've been set free from sin and that sacrifice has been made so you can be at one with God so that you can now be free to live for Him. Now you can finally do it. Just like Moses said in Deuteronomy, He circumcises your heart, He changes your heart, He gives you a new heart so that you can now live for Him. Today, thank God. Thank God for that sacrifice that Jesus made in your place to make you right with Him. God, we just thank You. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love. We thank You, Jesus, for Your sacrifice. We thank You, Jesus, that You died in my place. Thank You, Jesus, You died in my place. You were Brad Lynch's sacrifice. I deserve to have my blood spilt for my sin. But Jesus, you stood in the gap for me. You died so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus, for being my sacrifice. And I pray today just for me that you would show me fresh how glorious and amazing that sacrifice is. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. with you. I'll be up front here. My wife will be up front here. We'd be happy to pray with you if you'd like someone to pray with you. But let's just take some time worshiping Jesus, praising Jesus, 
thanking him for his sacrifice and asking God to make it even more real and powerful in our lives. Let's sing.
Amen. You may have a seat, guys. Amen. Well, this morning, if you would like to talk to someone, maybe you today feel like you have trusted by faith in Christ to be your sacrifice. We want to talk with you about that, encourage you, help you, show you some next steps. If you are a believer in Christ and you're struggling with this idea of feeling like you really are at peace with God, struggling with a sin that may still be in your life, you see that that's serious, but how do I get it out of my life? We want to talk with you about that. We want to encourage you, disciple you, help you. Please let us know. Come talk to us. Let us know so we can encourage you and walk with you through this. Uh, but for everyone that's here, thank you so much. Um, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. If you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to grab your cell phone and text the word connect to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text the word connect. That'll help us know who you are and uh, how we can pray for you and serve you in the best way possible. Uh, but for everyone here, we've got three big announcements we want everyone to know of what's going on around here. Announcement number one, we got a mission trip to Kentucky coming up in July, July 10th the 16th, and we're uh, getting together uh, baby items now uh, for a baby shower that we're going to have there uh, for 30 new, uh, new or expecting moms and uh, in underprivileged community there that really needs our help. And so if you could help us in that, that's diapers and wipes or bottles or whatever, okay, anything that you can have. Uh, to help us with that, we got some boxes set up as you leave on the side, uh, so you can put those items in there, uh, and that would be so appreciative as we uh, work through that. Uh, second uh, uh, announcement for you, July 3rd, you'll notice that it's the Sunday, the day right before July 4th. July 3rd, we're just going to have one service at 11 o'clock, all right? No 930 service. So when we do that, we do that on certain days like that where we know, let's just be honest, you're going to be at the beach. So one service, 11 o'clock, no kids ministry, no journey groups, no youth ministry, one service, everybody in this room, 11 o'clock, and I promise to have you out early, all right? 11 o'clock, everybody in the house together, one service, that's July 3rd. want to go ahead and give you a heads up about that. And then last announcement for you, uh, journey group. We'd love for you to be a part of a journey group. Um, best way for you can find that is to go to our app, download our app, and as you go to that, you'll be able to search for journey groups. The reason we do that, we care about that, is because we believe that's an opportunity God gives us to pour into you and share truth of God's word with you so that you can be shaped and changed by that. So we encourage you to be a part of that small group ministry that we have, our journey groups. Again, you can find one of those online there on the app. Get plugged in. Try that out. And then for every other announcement that we have, the app's a great place to go. You can also give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. All right? Let me pray for us, guys, and I'll let you go. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you again for your sacrifice, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you set us free and uh, God just do such glorious work. I thank you God that we are one with you now because of Jesus. Our hearts are clean and pure because of Jesus. We are holy because of Jesus. We are one with you because of Jesus and nothing can change that. So I pray that now Holy Spirit you will empower us to live out that truth, pursue that truth, live out our new identity in Christ so that we can be made more into your image Jesus. Thank you. We love you. 
thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.